Thank you guys so much for joining us. If you can just stand in the house, uh, I just have one scripture so we can stand in honor of the word of God. It's Hebrew 12 and 15. It says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. It's important for us to understand that I believe that, or I actually know, in the Bible, when Jesus spoke to people, people were offended by his words. People walked away from Jesus by the words that he said. And that always, that, that shocked me because the creator of your soul can say something that pulls you away from him if you allow him to, if you allow it to. So today, let's just pray and say, God, open up my heart and my mind and let me receive your word no matter how challenging it may be. For my speech and my preaching is not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. For your face shall not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. God, challenge us this morning. Take us to a place right up to a point where I'm convicted, and God, give me the strength to push past that. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. Today's message is very special to me. It's something that I lived through probably about 10 years ago now. Something that really legitimately changed my walk with God. In fact, you could even say that it started my, my, my journey with Christ about 10, 10 or so years ago. But it's very different. Or very, but it's very special, I mean. In fact, I believe that the church needs to understand that there are actually different methods on how we can get closer to God. There are different ways for us to grow in our walk with God. You see, if you only focus on one aspect of your journey with God and you ignore everything else, your journey and your walk will be stunted. If you only work on your prayer life with Christ and you ignore love, the love of scripture, your, your, your walk with God will be stunted. You'll be spiritual, but you'll have no insight on how to deal with the things that come at you. If you're somebody who doesn't pray and you refuse to fast, but you know all the scripture in the world, you'll see the things that come at you. In fact, you'll have enough insight to help somebody else out, but you'll never have the endurance, the spiritual endurance to fight through your own battles. It's important for us to understand that we need to grow in all of our walk with God and not just what's comfortable. Psalms has always been used to grow our up-down relationship with God, us and God, always talking about the relationship between God and man, while Proverbs has been used as spiritual practicality to change how we live here on earth and also challenge how we live with one another here on earth. The fact is, they both deal with our walk with God. Proverbs might not challenge you to pray, but it might challenge you on how you live here on earth, or it might challenge you on how you live with somebody close to you, and that is a part of your walk with Christ. If you can grow horizontally, God will also bring you up vertically. This is why the mentality of submission is so important. You see, there are people in this room who believe that, hey, I don't have to submit to spiritual authority that God placed here on earth because I can just submit to God. I can just pray. I can just get right with God and, and everything else will be okay. But that's false. That's warped. That's corrupted. You see, God will place people in your life for you to submit to. He always has throughout scripture. He'll place somebody in your life for you to submit to. Why? Because the, the standards of a man 
or a woman will never exceed the standards of God. You cannot say you're submitted to God if you can never submit to a pastor. It's important. You see, when you take a compass, I'm talking about the old school magnetic compasses, not the ones on our phone, but if you take a compass, uh, that, that compass is drawn towards a magnetic field somewhere near the North Pole. And so you can determine which direction you're walking in or going towards based off of that magnetic pull off of that tiny little piece of metal inside a compass. But the fact is, if you take that old school compass and you try to start right here in Sterling Heights and try to walk directly west towards Portland, Oregon, you'll actually find yourself in Canada, somewhere north of Vancouver. Why? Well, that's because the, the, the magnetic field that was somewhere near the North Pole has actually moved closer to Greenland by now. So this compass that, that people always used back in the day is, is null and void. It's not accurate anymore. You can't use it to just walk in a certain direction. There's, there's a difference between north and true north. True north is at the very top of the globe. But if you try to use a compass, you actually end up somewhere else. And that's what's happening with a lot of people today. You see, there's a lot of people in church who use their own personal compass, trying to head in a certain direction, trying to head north towards God, but because you're only using your own personal insight, your own personal wherewithal, you'll actually end up somewhere else. But the word of God will always direct you straight north. It'll always bring you right towards God. So if you can just take a moment and ignore your own ideologies, ignore your own insight, ignore what you think think is right and accept what the word of God says, then and only then can you end up where you want to be. Years ago, pastor spoke about forgiveness and he began to talk about the directions of forgiveness. He said that there are four directions of forgiveness. There's a north to south, south to north, west to east, east to west directions of forgiveness. And he explained that the north to south direction of forgiveness is, is forgiveness from God down to us. It's when we mess up, when we do something wrong, and, and, and we, we begin to repent and say, God, forgive me of my sin, and God forgives us. In fact, this is crucial for salvation. In Acts 2.38, when the hungry people said, God, or, or, or what, what must we do to be saved? The first step was repent, admit your guilt. You see, if you can't admit that you're a sinner saved by the grace of God and God alone, then you'll never be able to step into repentance and you'll never be able to step into salvation. Now, it's also important to understand that this north to south direction of forgiveness is also the only direction that truly forgives us of our sin. You see, the Bible talks about forgiving people for, for forgiving others and all that stuff. But the truth of the matter is God is the only one that can actually forgive us of our sin. God is the only one that paid the price legally for sin to be abolished, which means he's the only one that can also hand out forgiveness. It's important to understand that, that, that God can remove the guilt of your soul, but for us, when it comes side to side, forgiveness isn't about taking away somebody's guilt. It's actually about releasing somebody from our own hearts. South to north, direction of forgiveness is forgiveness from you towards God. Now, the fact is God has never and will never do anything to hurt us. But that doesn't mean we can't feel hurt by God. God is the author and the finisher of our faith. But when we're not, uh, when we're not healthy, we can easily begin to blame God for circumstances and situations in our lives. 
When we feel like God did something to us or put something, put us in a position to, to, to fail, we need to begin to release God from our hearts and forgive him. You'll hear people say all the time, man, how can I, how can I ever love God when, when he did this to me or when he made me go through this or that? That's, this is us releasing God in our hearts for the things that happen to us. Maybe just by life itself, by nature, by, by other people. The fact is we need to understand that, that I, I've talked to so many people and young people who have harbored feelings towards God because of the randomness of life or because of a choice that another human being has made. We need to understand that God has always desired for humanity to live in peace with him. But the moment that Adam allowed sin to enter the earth, that also came with it disease, death, pain, suffering, disaster. See, sin is greater than just a human being's ability to choose sin. Sin expands greater than that. The moment sin entered the earth, the ground was also cursed. You see, death comes because of sin. If you have harbored unforgiveness towards God, you will constantly use God as a scapegoat for when life simply happens to you. In fact, people will go to hell cursing God for, for the problems that they cause in their own lives when the true root is bitterness that just needed an outlet away from blaming yourself. People will hurt you and you will go to hell justified in your own bitterness when God's saying the only step for you is to release it's possible for somebody to never hurt a single person but still go to hell because they can't release this pain and this burden. They can't forgive. And because of that, west to east level of or, or direction of forgiveness is when we hurt somebody and need to ask for forgiveness. You see, sometimes you don't even know you did something wrong, but you find out that you hurt somebody, so you need to go and apologize and, for, and ask for forgiveness. Not because your soul needs them to release you from anything, but because you just need to make sure everything's right. You're chasing for the unity of your body. That's, that's, that's all you're trying to do. When it comes out, when, it, when you step out of line and say something or do something that you never thought would end up hurting somebody, but you do, you just need to make it right. It's coming to a place of humility and accepting the fact that our actions can sometimes cause somebody else pain and it's being humble enough to admit it. This is so important for the, important for the unity of the body, the unity of your home, and the salvation of your soul. It's important. East to west, direction of forgiveness is when we need to forgive somebody else for what they did to us. When somebody wrongs you, when somebody did you wrong, and you've been holding on to it, holding on to it, holding on to it. You see, this is, this is the pain of what we think or know somebody did to us. This is where offense is conceived, and this is where bitterness is born. People feel justified with their unforgiveness. So just to recap, God is the only one who can legally forgive us of our sin because he's the only one who died for sin. But we still need to obey the word of God and release our hearts and these chains of unforgiveness that we've allowed, we've allowed, and we've held on to, and we've kept. And when there's a problem between us and somebody else, it's always on you. It's always on you. Whether they did something wrong or you did, it's always on you to take the first step, regardless of who's at fault. So in the church, one of the greatest pitfalls is this thing that we're talking about, offense. It's a trap. A trap of 
Satan. There's a book, The Bait of Satan, one of the greatest books I've ever read. It, it, I, I recommend everybody read it. It's called The Bait of Satan. Please buy it and read it. It'll change your life. But, but the act of offense isn't a sin. The fact is we're all human. We're emotional creatures. It's easy for some of us to get our emotions hurt, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with somebody or something offending you. The problem is when we allow these things, whether big or small, to stay in our lives. When we hold on to these things, then it's no longer an offense. Now we become offended. You see, feelings are a strange and curious thing. You see, if I take this glass of water and I just hold it right here, I don't become water. I'm still the same guy. I'm just holding water. In fact, I can hold this right here for the rest of my life, and I don't, I'm still the same person. I'm just holding water. But feelings are a different thing. You see, people become identified by the feelings that they hold on to. I can meet somebody, and if I know them long enough, I'd be like, man, that's, a, that's just a happy guy. Man, that person, they're so calm. Or man, that person, man, they're just depressed and every single time I talk to them, they're always talking about their issues. Man, why? Because these feelings that we can harbor actually become the identity of who we are. They change who we are. And so the same thing happens with offense. When you're somebody that holds on to offense, you become identified by it. Proverbs 14 and 10 says, each heart knows its own bitterness, and no one else can share its joy. Now, it's not a moment of something that happened to you. Now it becomes a part of who you are. Offended people produce these fruit. Uh, the Bible talks about a root of bitterness, and with that comes, these, comes fruit. Fruits such as hurt, anger, outrage, jealousy, resentment, strife, bitterness, hatred, and envy. Hebrews 12, 14 through 15 says, Strive for peace with, one, with everybody and for the holiness with his, which, uh, without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Many, many become defiled. From the very beginning, offense was used by Satan as a trap to ensnare human beings by building up walls between one another, walls of bitterness, walls of hurt, keeping people at arm's distance, length from one another. The truth is God has always called us to one another. It's not just us and God. It's also the people around us. God's trying to say, hey, you need to love one another, but how can you love somebody when you hold them away from you? How can you make disciples when you keep people so far away from you? And if you hold on long enough, without letting go of these feelings. But they, 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 these feelings turn into consequences. They have consequences such as insults, attacks, wounding, division, separation, broken relationships, betrayal, and backsliding. People will backslide because they can't let go of what happened to them in their past. So let's just take a moment and pause. If what I'm saying to you feels offensive... Please understand that that's just God trying to challenge you right now. Again, like I said before, there's nothing wrong with the feeling of offense. It's what are you going to do about it now? People can get offended by things that mean them no harm. Psalms 55, 12 through 14 says, if an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is you, 
a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God, and as we walked among the worshipers. You see, David is, is explaining that the deepest parts of his heart, of his heart wasn't when an enemy came and attacked him. It wasn't when the devil came and, and tried to attack him. It was when his brother, his companion, his friend, somebody he cared about, that's when they hurt him. That was when it hurt the most. It was when somebody that he loved came and hurt him how deeply must God hurt when he watches the church never being able to get along all the strife between us and he's just calling for unity because with unity comes the greatest acts of God that a church could ever seen but we can never get there until we can just fix this simple thing you see this is simple but it's not easy there's a lot of things in life that are simple but very very difficult you see, if there's anybody in your life or your past that has deeply wounded you and pained you, you need to admit to yourself that the only reason that they were ever able to hurt you so badly is because of how much you love them. The truth is offense can be placed in one of two categories. The first is when somebody did something intentionally to hurt you. The second is when somebody did something unintentionally, but you still got hurt. The question is, how often do you get offended by somebody, only to later find out that, man, they really didn't do anything wrong to begin with? That's a crystal clear example of somebody whose heart is looking to become offended. There are people who are looking to be offended. You don't even know it, but your heart is looking for offense. Why? Because it's easier to be a victim than a conqueror. It's easier to be the guy that's always on the ground because that means you just don't have to get back up. How often throughout the day do you find yourself getting thrown off by somebody else? You see, there are husbands and wives in this room right now who can find so much fault in the person that they dedicated themselves to, the person that they devoted themselves to, and logically it makes no sense. That was the person you loved more than anybody. But how in the world are they the biggest thing in your life, the biggest struggle? Why? Because it's the person that you love the most that can hurt you the deepest. The question is, is the problem them or is it you? And what in the, what, what if the world isn't full of people just looking out to hurt you, but instead it's your heart that's chasing after offense? You just want to be a victim sometimes. But there are people in this room that have been legitimately hurt by somebody else, legitimately affected by somebody else's selfishness, somebody else's sin, somebody else's pain, somebody else's internal torment, and they took it out on you, and they treated you less than a human being. Because that's how they felt you were. And the fact is, oftentimes, these people who naturally look for offense always starts off as somebody who is legitimately hurt by somebody. They just never let it go. One in three women have been affected by sexual assault. 7% of women have been raped or had rape attempted on them. And the fact is, we need to accept that hurt people hurt people. And if you had trauma in your life, this is a shameless plug for FC Heart. I recommend that most people go through it. It's a powerful thing. But no matter what happened to you, the truth is, it might not have been your fault, but it is your responsibility. People will hang their hats up, hang up their coats and say, man, I'm not going to deal with that. It wasn't my fault. And you're right. It wasn't your fault, but it is your responsibility now. And we need to accept that. Just because you didn't cause it doesn't mean you can ignore it. You didn't ask for the weight of experience, but now you must learn how to carry it on your own. 
Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping that the other person gets sick. It's the idea that if I forgive only when they deserve forgiveness. You see, when you start talking about David and Goliath, Goliath has some crazy armor on. His chest plate itself weighed 100 pounds. Doesn't even count his arm, arm, arm armaments or legs. And it said that his spear, that only the head of the spear weighed 10 pounds. So you can just justify and say the entire spear weighed about 50 pounds. Like this guy was strapped. But when David went out to meet him, and the king said, hey, here's some armor, put it on. David said, no, I can't do that. It's too cumbersome. It's similar to unforgiveness. We think that the more unforgiveness we weigh on and push people aside, we're actually protecting ourselves. But that's a, that's a lie. You're just holding yourself back. You're, 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 you're taking yourself and, and saying, I can't do anything because of this unforgiveness. It's just too heavy for a soul to bear. The only power we have is to release somebody from our hearts. The fact is, there are people who have hurt somebody, but they've made it right with God. And the person that they hurt never did. And it's that person that's going to deal with it. It's that person that's going to carry it. It's that person that's going to become bitter in their hearts. When we harbor unforgiveness and bitterness, we begin to treat people, innocent people, differently in our lives. We keep people at an arm's length away just in case they do something like that one person in your past. We project our past on other people in our present. We make sure that nobody hurts us like that one person ever did. If a friend hurts you, you make sure that nobody else can so you hold your emotions back and you'll never make a close friend again. When a parent hurts you, you question the motives of everybody that tries to get close because the people who are supposed to love you the most did something that hurt you and now you can't trust anybody. When somebody in leadership offends you and hurts you, you immediately project that onto every single new leader in your life. The pain of somebody else in your past is now portrayed on every single person in your present and every single person in your future. You had a problem with your boss in the past, and you go from job to job, from church to church, and yet somehow, some way, every single boss going forward is a problem, and every pastor moving forward is a problem. No, it's not. You're the problem. You just have to release somebody else from your past. If there's a certain relationship in your life that just seems to, oh, it never, never work out, you need to question why. Is it the person or is it you? You see, there are people who blame a person for a loved one walking away from God. It's, it's, it's sometimes just easier to blame a third-party individual for a personal choice to leave Christ. Or maybe it's easier because it's easier to blame a third-party individual than admitting how much we had to do with somebody walking away. These little moments of offense that happen every single day, if not dealt with, they turned into something called the root of bitterness, and roots run deep. Something that could have been dealt with long ago so easily because we decided not to take care of it then. Now it's caused and it's grown into a giant tree within our lives and it runs deep and it warps our mentality. You see, untouched, untouched bitterness or untouched uh, offense turns from an emotion into a thought, from a thought into a theory, and from a theory into a warped reality on how you view the world around you. What could have been dead years ago now becomes a part of who you are. Your personality has changed because of your bitterness. Your interactions have changed because of your bitterness. Your ministry was hurt because of your bitterness. Because somebody hurt you, now your ministry is hurt. 
What if people aren't out to get you? What if people truly desire to just get closer to you? But every single time someone gets close, they feel a resistance with the interaction. What if who you are now is different because of an undealt offense? People walk around with these invisible chains and they're not even locked up. You just hold on to it because sometimes it's easier to deal with something that's comfortable than releasing it. You see, one of the biggest lies is that time heals all things. That's simply not the case. Physically, if I cut my hand right now, in time it will heal. We're not talking about physically right now. I'm talking about the internal heart, the emotional heart. You see, time does not heal a broken heart. Time doesn't heal a wounded heart. You might grow a scab and it might get hard on the outside, but underneath the surface, it's still, it's still raw, it's still tender, it's still something there. And if anybody comes in and unknowingly touches that same spot again, you lash out and react in a way that pushes them away. Why? Because you never dealt with something from your past. You never dealt with that pain from somebody else and what they did to you. You see, in these four directions of forgiveness, there is a fifth direction. There's north to south, south to north, east to west, west to east. And when you look at a compass, when you look at the rows of a compass, a compass rows, there's always one more direction, and that's straight down the middle. I remember in middle school and in high school, we had to carry the most ridiculous-sized backpacks with the most ridiculous-sized books in there. I don't know what they do nowadays. Probably just have an iPad or something. But back in my day, you know, when I had to walk up the hill twice to get home and back, you know, back in my day, we had books about five inches thick, three tons apiece, all of them in my backpack because my locker was broken, and I just carried every single day. And I'm a big guy, but I remember seeing the four foot two, hundred pound girls carrying the same exact backpacks, and, and the backpacks are bigger than them. Man, we look like people just trying to climb the Appalachian Mountains back in middle school. And I remember, man, it never felt so bad while I was carrying it. It was only till I let it off at the end of the day when I realized how much I was actually carrying on my back. And that's exactly what we do spiritually. You see, I was raised in church. My mom taught me right. I knew what sin was before I could spell sin. I knew exactly what it was. I didn't slip into sin. I chose sin. I chose it intentionally. I knew what I was doing. And so, you know, when you're a kid and you want to go hang out with a group of friends, you don't tell your mom or your dad all the friends. You tell them the best one, the one that they trust the most. I was never on that list. I was the guy that nobody told their parents they were hanging out with. I was just a bad kid. I just did whatever I wanted to. But the truth is I knew exactly what I was doing. You see, I was raised in church. I knew how to pray. I knew about baptism, repentance, Holy Ghost. I knew, all the, I knew everything. I knew what to do and what not to do, and I chose what I wanted to do. And I walked through life. Every single decision, one at a time, and they begin to pile up on my back, the same as that backpack. And, and for years and years and years, I would have these moments with God and Congress, but I, I, I just never felt like I saw everybody else get moved by God. I didn't realize how much baggage I actually had on my back. I didn't understand the weight of guilt because the weight of guilt is always heavier than it actually feels like it is. And so fast forward to when I was about 18 years old. At that point, I never had the Holy Ghost, and I was raised in church. I was a late bloomer. 
But I remember for about a year and a half before that, I was legitimately seeking the Holy Ghost. I'd see people around me getting touched by God, and I wanted that same thing, and I desired it. And so I chased it, and I did what the people said, man. They said, repent, ask God, open up your hearts, let them know that you just want the gifts. And I did that every single time, over and over, every altar call. I said the same exact thing. You see, you know, before that, I just, I, I never really desired the Holy Ghost. When I was a kid, I'd have people pray over me, and they thought I had the Holy Ghost, but I didn't. What I did was, you know, when you're a kid and you come up, back in the day, church is a little bit different now, but back in the day, people come up and slap you in the head when they start praying for you. They got real aggressive, punching you, they're kicking you, trying to get you to actually do something and move. Uh, so I was getting bombarded when I was five years old. But I remember I just wanted to get the attention away from me. I wanted people to stop slapping me. So I just kind of make up a little sound, be like, ha ba ba ba, and just, let's just call it a day, y'all. <laughs> I need to go home. So I just did whatever I could to get away from the situation. But when I was older, I legitimately wanted this experience, and so I, I, I chased it. But I remember this hyphen camp in, in Indiana. I remember going up to the altar call like every single time before that, and I just said, God, forgive me of my sin. I want to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And for the first time in my life, I felt the audible voice of God just speak to my heart. And he said, I've already forgiven you but now you need to forgive yourself. And in that moment, I realized that for the 18 years previous, I never let myself go. I never released myself from myself. I never forgave the person that hurt me the most, which was myself. You see, nobody has hurt me more than myself. I made all my decisions for me. Nobody has pained me more than I, I did myself. And so in that altar call, I began to speak to myself and I said, Kento, I forgive you. I forgive you for everything that you've done from this day forward. I'm releasing you. And the moment that I said that, I felt it, felt, it felt physical, but I felt these weights just fall off of my back in that moment. And in that moment, just like that, I began to speak in tongues for the first time. And I realized that, that, that God could never forgive me until I forgave every single person in my life, including myself. I never realized how heavy my internal weight and guilt was. And unknowingly for years, I would make these choices and mistakes and just never let it go. For some people in this room, you need to ask yourself, what would happen if you showed yourself as much mercy as God shows you? God has never expected perfection from you, but there are some people who hold themselves at such a high standard, it's impossible to reach. But God never asked for perfection. He just wanted your heart. He just wanted a moment of honesty and clarity. He just wanted you to say, God, I'm broken right now. If you could finally admit that, yeah, you're messed up and you'll always make a mistake, but in this moment I can give it to God. That's all God's looking for. I'm coming to a close so if the musicians can come. You see, for some people in this room, the next and best step in your life is repentance. It's an admission of guilt, and the guilt of the sin that you're born with. It's accepting the fact that you're not just imperfect. You're truly flawed. You're a sinner stained by your choices that you've made for yourself. And it's your pride, it's your selfishness, and it's your nature that's the problem. And you need God to wipe your slate clean. The God who came in flesh and died just for that, just for your salvation. That's some, some people's first step. 
And there are other people in this room right now who already have a relationship with God. You know how to pray. You repent all the time. But, but, but the next best step for you is not another prayer. It's actually a phone call. It's a text. It's walking over to somebody and apologizing. It's walking over somebody and just releasing them in your heart. That's some, some people, that's your next best step. You see, this is why it's so important to understand how to release your past. You can't say you let go of your past if you still have chains of unforgiveness bound to your legs and your feet. You can't do it. The Apostle Paul says that this one thing I do, letting go of what's behind me and reaching towards what's ahead, this one thing, if there's one thing you can do, you can do that. It's important to understand that when Moses, before Moses ever freed the Israelites from Egypt, he had to encounter God at a burning bush. And what did that burning bush say to him? What did God say to him? Take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. The same thing happened to Joshua after they crossed the sea. Right before he was about to conquer the first city of Jericho, right before he led the entire nation of Israel on a, on a victory spree, this angel encountered Joshua and said, take off, your, take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. There are people in this room whose ministry is stunted and stopped because you can't let go of your past. God's saying, I don't want the dirt from yesterday. I don't want the troubles from yesterday. I need you to let it go. I can't have that to take you where I need to take you. But for you, it's a, this, the, ability, the ability to just say, I'm done with who I was from this moment forward. I need something new. And then there are people in this room who don't have a problem with other people, and you don't have a problem with God. The person you have a problem with is a person that stares back at you in the mirror. You've placed blame not on God and not on others, but you place blame on yourself, so much so that you can't show yourself even a fraction of the mercy that God has shown you. If God is the one who paid for your sin, you can forgive your sin yourself of your sin and just let it go just release it just accept the fact that God is new every morning and if God is new every morning he can make you new every single morning if you let him I like everybody to stand in this room and I want to invite you to these altars I want to invite you to these altars and we're going to begin to pray as a step of faith that if you were to come to God and allow the spiritual weight of bitterness and unforgiveness to finally fall down off your back and you place these burdens, these heavy burdens off of, off of you and place them on the altar and say, God, I, I want to die to who I was. I want to die from these weights and these burdens and these chains. The fact is, these chains are never bound. They're never locked up. So many people just have chains that they're holding on to and they say, God, look how chained up I am. But he's here to remind you that all you need to do is let go of it. Just let go of it. I know, like I said before, this is so simple. It's so simple, but it's not easy for some people. It's not easy at all. But in a moment of clarity, if God can use you right now, if God can anoint your lips in a prayer right now, Allow him to challenge your heart and let go of your past. Let go of the people. Let go of yourself. Let go. Just, just allow God to release you in a moment. This is the sake of unity. This is for the sake of unity of your soul, of the church, and of your home. Don't allow bitterness and unforgiveness to drag you down to hell. 
take a moment just to release it. As they sing, let's begin to just pray and say, God, I'm far from perfect, but God, you never asked for that. So in this moment, I'm releasing myself from my past. If you can release me of my sin, in the name of Jesus, and all that that name represents, every single soul that has been forgiven from this point forward, I'm asking you, God, to add one more to the list today. Add one more to the list today, in the name of Jesus. Let's begin to pray, church. Let's begin to press. Press in the presence. Press in the presence of God right now. Let Him work on your heart. Let Him change you. Not just change you. Let Him make you something brand new. In Jesus' name.